Amen. 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 Good morning. How we doing, church? Everybody had a great Fourth of July weekend. Yes, or we practiced safety third. Nobody's missing fingers. That's awesome. Um, well, listen, I, my name is Corey, and I am the student pastor here at Westwood, and I am thankful for the opportunity to open up God's Word with you today. Um, but can we do something real quick before we get started? I want to say a quick thank you to our uh, ministers of magnification, illumination, and amplification. Uh, can we say thank you for our, our tech team that serves week in and week out? Man, I am, I am so thankful for you guys. I don't know if y'all know this, Dave Ben sits in a closet behind these doors and, and runs our audio board for our live stream week in and week out, and I am so thankful for our team that, um, that serve every week. And so, um, but I have to be honest with you this morning, church, um, I had a completely different message planned. <laughs> there was, uh, on, on Tuesday, I had written an entire message that I really wanted to share, and I was excited about it, and I was pumped about it, and there was a lot of me in it. And the Spirit just dropped this in my mailbox and basically said, uh, Corey, that's all the words you want to say. How about you let me do the talking? And poor Tammy, bless her heart, I changed the notes like a million times, like this week. Um, and I was like, I'll go this way, I'll go this way. And I changed it, but the Spirit just kept saying, hey, like, I want you to speak about me. And if, and if you're going to speak about me, Corey, how about you get to know me? How about you spend some time with me? And so tonight, or this morning, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. And, and so, church, I grew up uh, in church from, from Boone's Creek Baptist to Ashland Avenue to Porter Memorial, and I really don't remember a lot of times messages on the Holy Spirit. It is often the neglected or misunderstood or forgotten person of God. And so, if you have your Bibles, let's go to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 is where we're going to uh, be mostly this morning, but... It's a, this message is kind of a buckshot. We're going to be, if you want to flip the scripture, you can. If you want to um, listen to me read a bunch of different scriptures, then uh, by all means, you can do that as well. And so I want to begin our, our talk this morning with an illustration as you're turning there. A man named Mr. Yates uh, lived in West Texas. And Mr. Yates lived through the Great Depression. Mr. Yates uh, owned a, a ranch in, in West Texas, and this ranch was about to be uh, foreclosed upon. He had nothing, and the banks basically came and said, listen, we're taking back your land. You have 21 days to figure it out, to get us our money. And in that window, in those three weeks, he got a knock on his door from a team that said, hey, uh, we're with the seismographic team at this oil company, and we've done some research, and we believe that there could be an intense amount of oil on your property. And he said, well, by all means, I have nothing to lose. Dig away. And so they begin to dig, and, and they strike oil after drilling 1,115 feet. This reservoir on his property produced 85,000 gallons of oil a day for 30 years. And then it had the potential to produce 125,000 gallons a day. And so, obviously, Mr. Yates' problems were fixed. And it's now known today as Yates Pool. And so, the question that I immediately think of is, when did Mr. Yates become a millionaire? Was it when they started drilling, or was it when he bought his property? And the answer is when he bought his property, right? When... 
he was living in poverty, but he had no idea what was beneath his feet. And, and church, this is, hear this, there are plenty of Christians walking around in spiritual poverty, myself included at times, because we are either unwilling to drill down into the depths of our relationship with the Spirit, or because we don't know how. And so, listen, I don't know about you, but I don't want to live in spiritual bankruptcy. The question to us this morning is, will you and I welcome the Holy Spirit to open our eyes and change everything about us and make us look more like Jesus? So let me pray for us this morning, and then we will get into uh, our message this morning. Father, would you uh, help us to lift Jesus high? God, I pray that um, you would make us aware of your presence, God, and that we would not be in a hurry when it comes to your presence. God, that we'd be able to sit and rest, that we would see people like you see them as we go about our day, as we go about our week. God, would you, in your spirit, Lord, remind us of Scripture throughout our week? Would you speak to us through your word this morning? And it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, like I said, there's no notes for you in your, in your app this morning, but if you are a note taker, if you want to write down the main point of this message, it is this. There is no such thing as a Christian that does not have the Holy Spirit. No such thing. You cannot be a Christian and not have the Holy Spirit. No if, no maybe, you got him. And so notes, uh, point number one is this. If you're a note taker, you can write this down. Point number one is this, the person of the Spirit. The person of the Spirit. The Spirit is not a part of God. That is a heresy called partialism, right? The, the Spirit is not a form of God. That is a heresy called modalism. The Spirit is not its own God. That's a heresy called tritheism. The Spirit is God, and He is a person. The Spirit is a person, is God. The Spirit is not the Father. The Spirit is not the Son. The Spirit is God. So in Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, John the Baptist says, I baptize you with water. And speaking about Jesus, he says, He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. This happens in John 20, verse 22, when Jesus breathes the Holy Spirit to the disciples, and they go from being cowards to courageous. They go from being fearful to fiercely bold for Jesus. This, these men were scared for their lives. And now they are willing to preach the gospel unashamed and willing to die for the cause of Christ. Well, what happened? The Holy Spirit. The Spirit in them. Three things we recognize, if you're, if you're a sub-point person, three things we recognize about the person of the Spirit is this. Number one, we, rec- we must recognize the Holy Spirit. Recognize. We also have to understand the residing, the residing of the Holy Spirit. And also, we have to regard the Holy Spirit. Recognize understand the residing, and regard the Holy Spirit. We have to remember the Holy Spirit is not an it, right? The Spirit is not a force. This isn't Star Wars. This isn't Yoda. Okay, the, the Holy Spirit isn't karma. There, there is a lot of symbolism in, in Scripture, though, about the Holy Spirit and how we see Him represented. He's represented as a dove. He's represented as fire. He's represented as oil. He's represented as wind and as water. The dove, right, representing blessing and new beginnings. You see this at Jesus' baptism when the Spirit descends on Jesus like a dove. The dove is also the symbol you see Noah after the flood. He sends out and it brings back the olive branch. This is new beginnings and blessing. Also, we see him represented as fire. Purification is the, is the application for fire. Right? If you put something in the fire, all the junk gets burned away. And what's left is what is pure. 
fire purification. Oil, the Holy Spirit represented as oil, is an anointing, a dedication, a purpose. Hebrews 1.9 tells us. Also, wind, you can't see the wind, but you can feel the effects of the wind. Giving us a picture of the Spirit. Water, a refreshing news, right? New birth. John 3, Jesus has this conversation with Nicodemus, and he says, listen, you've got to be born of water and the Spirit. You have to be born again. Water. We must recognize what the Spirit looks like and recognize His voice. So, Old Testament, right? The, the presence of God resided in the Holy of Holies, in the tabernacle. In the New Testament, our body is the building. When Jesus pray, pays the price for our sins, we don't need a priest on our behalf, right? We don't have to make an appointment with God. 1 Corinthians six nineteen and 20 says this, For do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit whom is within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. They're speaking about sexual immorality here, that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Old Testament, the Spirit would do a work and then the Spirit would leave. Now, all believers have the Spirit, which means wherever you go, the Spirit of God goes with you. This is why Jesus says the Holy Spirit in you is better than me beside you, right? Like the disciples, when Jesus says that, the disciples are like, hold on, Jesus, what do you mean you're leaving? He's like, no, it's actually better, better. It's actually beneficial that I go because Jesus is saying, listen, I can be beside you, but the Holy Spirit in you, oh, that the gospel will go to the ends of the earth, all right? Romans 5, 5 says God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. So, The Spirit dwells in you, resides in you. And I want to talk about the difference between dwelling and filling. Okay, and so here we go. This is a cup that I stole from my own pantry. And uh, and this is going to represent us, and this bottle of water is going to represent the Spirit. Now, the theologians in the room, that's like, the Spirit can't be a bottle of water. It's It's an illustration, okay? It's just for, it's it's for people that are visual learners, okay? And so if we are this glass, a lot of times we think that this is how the Holy Spirit happens. We're like, oh, I said a prayer. Bloop. You get a little dash of the Spirit. Oh, I actually came to church. Bloop. Oh, that's a double shot, actually, coming to church, right? A little extra Holy Spirit. Oh, like I share the gospel, that's a little bit more. But the, the reality is we don't get doses of the Holy Spirit. You get a full dose of the Holy Ghost, if you will, and you get 100% all of it, every bit, full, you get every bit of the Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit that is, is in you is in me, right? There's nothing special. A lot of times people think, because the serving on church staff, like when it's, someone needs to pray, they're like, well, go ahead, Corey. It's like, well, you have the same spirit that I do. You can pray. You know, it's like Thanksgiving or whatever. It's, it's okay. You know, you, you can pray. And so you have the full dose of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 5 verse 18 says, And do not get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, let me be real clear here just on a moment. Church family, I have to be a faithful communicator of God's Word. The Bible is really clear on its stance on drunkenness and strong drink. And if you don't, like, if you want to debate me on that, then you can email me at kbruce at gowestwood.org. But... Seriously, I would, love to, I would love to point you to Scripture uh, in that. And I'm not going to make light of alcohol because alcohol has destroyed a lot of your families and a lot of your lives. 
And I, and I want to be respectful of that. But if you've ever been around a drunk person before, maybe this is BC, before Christ in your life, if, or if you've ever gone to a college football game and sat near a student section, right? You've been around someone who is intoxicated. And there's three different types of people that, ha- that act certain ways. There's the one guy that is intoxicated and he tries to fight everybody, right? It's just like, I'm up in your grill. I'm ready to go. Like, you know, I'm just like, let's, let's fight. And I don't know why that is. There's the, there's the second person uh, that would be the lover, right? Your team is down 38 points at halftime and he's hugging everybody, right? He's just like, yes, party. What the, he has no idea where he is. And then thirdly, there's the sleeper. This is the person that is using a piece of pizza as a pillow, and he's out by, by halftime, right? And my question is, when someone is inebriated or intoxicated, right, why is that they lose control? Because the alcohol is in control. And so it's interesting, right, that our society calls alcohol spirits, What does the Bible say? It says, drink your fill on the Holy Spirit. Why? Because if you remember, the Spirit resides, where the Spirit resides, church, it reminds you of who's in control. That's what it means to be filled. That, listen, the Spirit is controlling everything in my life. When the Spirit says, hey, let's go this way, when the Spirit says, let's go this way, we obey because the Spirit is controlled because we are filled with the Spirit. So to go back to our illustration, if I could add something on here, Ms. Page would probably have a heart attack. If, if I took a hose on stage, a water hose, and put it underneath and drilled a hole in this glass, and it would just be overflowing or just pouring in, right? That, that water would just be going everywhere. If we could push that a little bit farther, the Spirit moves. When you are filled with the Spirit, it moves all the other stuff, the fruits of the flesh, out of the way. Jealousy, envy, Greed, pride, hate, anger, all the fruits of the flesh get pushed away. What overflows out of you are the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And this is a daily thing. If I could take that water hose, right, it would just overflow out and just keep pouring out. He must increase, I must decrease. He resides in you. Also, we have to regard the Spirit. You have to regard the Spirit. Remember, the Spirit is not an it, right? I can look at this music stand and say, music stand, you look terrible today. It doesn't, nothing happens, right? It's not offended. The Spirit is not an it, it is a person. And so what that means is that we can grieve the Spirit. We can quench the Spirit or even blaspheme the Spirit. What does that mean? It means that we can resist that you can insult, that you can ignore the Spirit. Blasphemy of the Spirit is which Jesus says is the only sin that is unforgivable, which basically means this. When you turn your back on God, He turns His back on you. What a scary place to be. That you have heard the gospel and you say, thanks but no thanks, I'm good. And then you drag the Lord's name through the mud. What a scary place to be. (laughs) But aren't you glad, church, that, man, praise God, the Father sees the Son instead of us. Praise God. So point number one, the person of the Spirit. Number two is the purpose of the Spirit. Here we go. Romans 8, look at verse 14 and 15. The purpose of the Spirit. Romans 8, 14 and 15. 
For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Three things we see here. The purpose of the Holy Spirit. He seals you. He seals you. He speaks to you and for you. He seals, He speaks, and He also sanctifies. He sanctifies you. Seals, speaks, sanctifies. He seals you. Church family, when you are sealed, what is on the outside can't get on the inside, right? And what's on the inside can't get on the outside. When you give your life to Jesus, the Spirit takes up residence, like we talked about. He takes up residence in your life, and He never moves out. When you hear the word sealed, too, I don't want you to think of like Tupperware or Ziploc bags. I want you to think of more like a seal of approval, like a stamp of approval. Once you've graduated college and you have that diploma, whether you have the piece of paper or not, you've been sealed, right? It's sealed. It's done. You are sealed by the Spirit. The same is with the Spirit. When you have been sealed by Him, you can never lose Him. You are secured. A lot of times we think we mess up and we can lose our salvation. Uh Uh-uh. Once you are in Christ, you can never get out of Christ. It's like this, buying a house, right? Like there's like sometimes adult things, right? You have to put down earnest money. You have to say, hey, listen, this means that I'm buying a house. This means I'm serious. This is like I'm calling dibs on it. I'm calling fives, as you would say, right? Like, like I'm, this is going to be mine one day. And that's not true like with our salvation church. Like we don't have to call dibs on it. We don't have to like just say, hey, let, let me put some, put some money down, if you will, to earn my salvation. I really want to help and contribute. No, no, no. What's what Jesus has purchased you and he says your debt is paid in full. And the proof of that is the Spirit's work in your life. You're sealed. And because of this, let me say, like, you can't hear, well, fantastic, I'm sealed. That means I get heaven, so I'm going to live like hell. No, that's not, that's not how it works, right? You don't like, you don't get to just do whatever you want. No, you pursue godliness. It's not about religion and finding more Christian things to do. It's about deeper relationships with the Spirit. He gets the control. He seals us. Also, He speaks for us. The Spirit speaks, not upon His own accord. He doesn't go rogue. He speaks for us. I don't know if y'all know this, but we have um, a team of people who serve on our hearing impaired community. Um, Right behind this door, in that hallway, Miss Amy Kahn is translating every word I'm saying. And it's going on our live stream right now. And she is not putting her own words in there. She's using my words. And so there's a magical box. Hi, Amy. See, she's probably waving at me. This is going to be hilarious to walk back, like watch back on live stream. That'll be awesome. Um, But she is translating everything that I'm saying and interpreting it so that someone who is hearing impaired can understand. The Spirit does the same for us. God speaks through His Word, and the Spirit delivers it to you so that you can understand it. And let's pause for a second. This doesn't mean that next time you're in life group and you read a, like a scripture and you say, well, tell me what this means to you. No, 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 no. That's, not, that's, a, that's, that's a fast way to get to heresy, right? If you're talking about what, is this, what do you feel like this means? The question is, what does it mean? When you read scripture and you say, what does it mean? The Spirit helps us understand what the scripture means. Why? Because this is a big church word, but proper hermeneutics, understanding the Bible rightly Who gets to dictate what the Scripture means? The author. And who wrote Scripture? The Spirit. 
So the Spirit gets to dictate what Scripture means, right? I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength has nothing to do about sports. It doesn't, right? Your body is a temple has nothing to do about tattoos, right? So we have to understand correctly as the Spirit helps us in that way. He speaks to us through His Word. The Spirit also speaks for us. Speaks to heaven for us. Look at this. You're in Romans 8. Romans 8, 26 through 27. Likewise, Romans 8, 26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray as for we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit. Because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of of God. I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but uh, I had to preach my grandmother's funeral a couple years ago, and the amount of sadness and the amount of just like bawling, and because she was one of the godliest people I know, I can remember right now, picture it in my head, her singing victory in Jesus as she's making me biscuits and gravy, right? Like, and the deep, like, sorrow and sadness. I don't know if you've ever been there. I don't know if you've been, ever been so angry when you, like, you don't even know what to pray. And you, maybe you're sitting there. Maybe you're so frustrated. Maybe you're so deeply saddened. And the Holy Spirit just says, I'll make sense of that. I got it. I know what you mean. What a gift we have that the Spirit speaks for us in that way. Also, the Spirit sanctifies. That's a big word, sanctified, but you all know what waffle fried means. You can know what sanctified means. Sanctified means that it, you are set apart, that He makes you holy. He makes you look more like Jesus. Have you ever had a light bulb moment when you're reading Scripture? When something in Scripture you've been reading and you've read it for years and all of a sudden it unlocks for you? It's not Thomas Edison, it's the Spirit. Have you ever been in a conversation or praying and then Scripture immediately comes to your mind? Holy Spirit. Happens all the time if we would be sensitive and we would be open to it. Happened to me this past week. I got to speak at a summer camp for, for teenagers in Louisiana. And... I started speaking and I started going and about a third of the whole message was not in my notes. Just started going. And I, the, the Lord was bringing illustrations to mind. He was bringing scripture to mind. And I said one of these illustrations and, and a, a person came up to me after and said, man, that illustration really like helped uh, unlock this for me. It wasn't in the notes. The spirit. The spirit moves in that way. Charles Spurgeon uh, is, a, is a pastor that Kenneth's dog's named after. And um, he, he's a phenomenal communicator. But on the steps that led up to his pulpit, every time he would go and preach, he would say, I believe in the Holy Spirit. 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 Why? Because... I can prepare a speech, we can have notes, we can have a lot of talks on Sunday mornings, but ultimately, the Spirit has to move. The Spirit is who melts the heart of stone. And that's encouragement for you in evangelism, right? That, hey, 
Why would you use your own words, right? You don't have to convince anyone to follow Jesus. If you can talk someone into it, someone else can talk them out of it. Use the Spirit's words. Speak Scripture. Speak the truth. Use the Spirit in that way. And so, the Spirit illuminates God's Word to conform us to look more like Jesus. Can I tell you, uh, church family, God's will for your life? Some of, if you're single, you're just like, ooh, what's her name? Right? No, not like that. Like, but God's will for your life. God's will, 100%, for every single person in this room, if you're a believer in Jesus, is that you would look more like Jesus. I don't know if there's like something that, or someone that you would say, man, this person looks a lot like Jesus to me. Do you know that's like the greatest compliment you could ever give someone? Maybe you have someone that came right into your mind. For me, like I have my grandmother, right? You have someone that looks a lot like Jesus. What a compliment to say that you would look like a Jesus. May that be true of someone to say that about you. That, oh, man, how they respond, how they love me. They look a lot like Jesus. Romans 8, 29. Look at verse 29. Here we go. Romans 8, 29. For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that you would look more like Jesus in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers, that you would be conformed to look like Jesus. You aren't who you used to be. Can I remind you of that, church, that you are not who you used to be? If you're a believer in Jesus, the old you is dead. And Christians in the room, you might say, listen, Corey, but I'm, I'm not where I want to be yet. But Jesus, through the Spirit, is doing a work on you. And so would you look more and more like him? Third point is this, the promise of the Holy Spirit. The promise of the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. This shows up in, in three ways, that he is our comforter, he is our counselor, and he is also our conductor. Our comforter, our counselor, our conductor. He is our comforter. The Spirit is the only thing that can bring you peace. You cannot buy it. You cannot seek it in other things. You cannot put it on. You cannot marry it. Jesus and the Spirit is the only thing that can give you peace in this world, church. The only thing. He is the great comforter. There is a comfort that only comes by the Spirit. John 14, verse 16, Jesus says, I am sending you the comforter. The comforter. He's also our counselor. Listen, church, I'm one step away from stupid. I don't know about you right? I come, from, <laughs> I come from a lot of dumb decisions. Um, you can ask my youth pastor, right, uh, when I was in high school. And still, still that way. A lot of times I sit and I, I like think on things. I have extreme FOMO. I don't want to miss out on anything. If like our friends are doing something, I want to do it too, right? I'm like, let's do it. Why not? You know, and I just like, whoo, I get excited. And I'm like, sometimes I'll be having a conversation with my wife and I'll say, man, like, I, just, I just feel it. I feel it in my gut. You know, I'm, I'm just like there. And she's like, you just ate Taco Bell with students. Are you sure it's not that, right? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, it actually might be that Taco Bell. You know, isn't it interesting that a lot of times the Spirit's voice in my life sounds a lot like my wife's? <laughs> Maybe the same is true for you. Sometimes it sounds like Kenneth Bruce. Sometimes it sounds like my dad. But the gift of community, right? The Spirit counsels us in those decisions. 
And so he is the great counselor. Also, he is a conductor. I don't know if you guys have ever, we're going to talk about it here in a second, but just like traffic, right? I'm an Apple Maps guy. I use the Apple Maps. Some people are Google Maps people. That's great. But what happens, I don't know if you've had this happen, but like you'll be driving and you'll set in your destination and then all of a sudden you'll get a little notification. It's like, save eight minutes if you go this way. And I'm like, no, I know the fastest way. It's this way. Just to be stuck at a lovely alabaster train, right? Oh, see what the technology in your phone is doing is trying to show you what's ahead of you. Spirit does the same. He is the conductor in our lives. Oftentimes I'm sitting in traffic saying, how did I get here? Right? See, the Spirit wants to order our steps, church. And if we live by the Spirit, and keep, we keep in step with the Spirit. If we live by the Spirit, we keep in step with the Spirit. And so, He is our conductor. Fourthly, He is the, the priority of the Spirit. The priority of the Spirit, I want you to see. He empowers us, He enables us, and He equips us. Empowers, enables, equips. Empowers, enables, equips. He empowers us. Acts 1, verse 8. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be my witnesses. 2 Timothy 1, verse 7. I didn't give you a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power. There's a story of a Welsh woman who was one of the first people in the world to get electricity ran to her house. And what a gift. And the, the meter reader comes by and there is minuscule amounts of, of power being used. And they're like, something's not right. And so they went over to knock on the woman's door and said, hey, uh, we just want to make sure you're okay. We provided power to your house, and it looks like you're not using it. Or is something wrong or broken? And she goes, oh, no, no. No, when it gets dark at night, I flip on the lights, and I light all my candles, and then I flip off the lights. Because that's what she was used to. Hmm. My friends, how many of us, right, would think to only turn on the power of the Spirit when we think we need it? We're living by candlelight throughout the day when we have the power of the Holy Spirit in us. That makes no sense. Right? It doesn't make sense when you have the, the Spirit. And let me tell you, the Spirit is free. There is no bill. He empowers us. He also enables us. He enables us through the fruits of the Spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The fruits of the Spirit. That is what it means to be fruit-filled and not fruit-flavored. You know what I'm saying? A Pop-Tart, that's fruit-flavored. It's not real fruit in there. And what happens is, is church, if we, if we ignore, neglect, the Holy Spirit, we have a fruit-flavored kind of faith, not a fruit-filled one. Lost people can be nice, but the fruits of the Spirit only come by knowing Jesus. I want to be fruit-filled. He enables you to look more like Jesus. Um, Lastly, and I'll invite Kevin up, he's going to lead us in the time of response, is that the Spirit equips us. Equips. Equips. 
Believers in Jesus, you have the Spirit. You have Him. You possess Him. He's with you. He is with you. And a move of the Spirit, church, always exalts the Son. There's a lot of people that claim to know the Spirit, or they claim to, you know, oh, that's a work. You know, the Lord told me this. The Spirit always exalts the Son. And we long for a move of the Spirit which is real and which is life-changing.